Welcome to Adapt Energy, a Pantech design podcast. As the world pivots to new forms of energy, now more than ever, it is critical that we explore new ideas and automated technologies to adapt to a changing energy market. On Adapt Energy, you will learn about these technologies and trends straight from the leading experts in the industry as we seek to answer a simple question. What is energy automation and why does it matter to you? Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Adapt Energy from Pantech Design. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the show. Now, a big topic of conversation right now is rolling blackouts. Why are they necessary? What do they achieve? And how can we get to a place where they aren't needed anymore? That's what everyone in Texas wants to know right now anyways. And so joining me to help answer these questions is Troy Morgan, the CEO of Pantech Design. Troy, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thanks a bunch, Tyler. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So, Troy, obviously, this is big news right now in the state of Texas, and I think it's probably taken for granted most of the time because when we go to turn on the lights or turn on the air conditioner or whatever, there's always power there, right? And so we don't often think about where it's coming from or why, you know, it works when uh, when we go to flip the switch, right? But like everything else, energy is a supply and demand thing, right? So explain how supply and demand works when it comes to the power grid. Well, supply is interesting because um, unlike, you know, many years and or years uh, ago, if you will, um, we get supply from more places than we used to. It used to be that supply would be coming from, you know, places like nuclear plants, maybe hydroelectric, fossil fuel burning, you know, plants, things like that. But now we have a lot of other methods of generation, uh, right? We have we have solar and we have wind and and, and even a few others that uh, that are maybe on a smaller scale, but they're you know they're still they're still viable. Now, when it comes to demand, that's a, that's a whole other ballgame, right? So, I mean, we've all kind of probably taken some degree of uh, economics. Supply and demand's a, 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 a ever evolving and changing thing. Well, the state of Texas um, is increasing its demand in a in a really crazy way, and it has to do with people moving. Simply put, I mean, there's a ton of people that are moving into the state of Texas. So you take that coupled with uh, the normal things that happen, maintenance, and then really hot days. Uh, so supply, uh, you know, being being a challenge relative to demand, and you could potentially have a problem on your hands. That makes a lot of sense, uh, kind of when you lay it out that way. An influx of population, also more than likely more people working at home, which means they're not turning their AC up and leaving for the majority of the day. They're keeping that AC a little bit lower, you know, keeping the temps lower in the house, and that increases uh, demand as well, right? Absolutely does. And even though uh, ERCOT uh, and and uh, PUC, the Public Utility Commission, has asked us very nicely to uh, curb our use. Um, I, I, at least in my circle of friends, um, you know, they look at that and go, why should I have to be uncomfortable? You know, and, and it's just, it, yeah, it's the way it is. But it, if we don't do something um, as, a, as a whole, um, as the demand grows, you know, we, we have to continue to increase the supply or have another method. And there are other methods, but uh, they're they're in their infancy in terms of the the intelligence of them, uh, and that's called demand response. Yeah, we're going to talk about demand response here in just one second. But the, before we get there, let's talk a little bit about rolling blackouts. What are rolling blackouts? If you had to give us a definition, and why do they happen? Yeah, so rolling blackouts are basically the utilities' method of shutting down a zone or an area uh, for a period of time 
so that if basically if if the demand is is creeping up higher than the supply capability or the the assumed uh, supply or generation, then they're going to want to institute a rolling blackout. That's that's when you get above uh, a certain threshold that they set that the utility will set, and then all of a sudden we're shutting down certain areas uh, for a short period of time. Sometimes it may only be a minute or two. Sometimes it's you know 10 minutes, 15 minutes, hour, so on and so forth. And when we had our storm in February, that's what they wanted to be able to do um, was, was rolling blackouts. But um, unfortunately that did not work because right when they started to institute the rolling blackouts, we had multiple generation sites fail uh, due to infrastructure problems relative to the cold. We, we just weren't, I mean, it's Texas. We weren't really prepared for things to ice over uh, in the way that they did for the, the time period that they did. Yeah, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a really good point and a really good, concise way of explaining what happened uh, here in Texas in uh, the month of February with those winter storms. Uh, so, Troy, you mentioned demand response a, a second ago. Give us a, a refresher. Uh, tell us a little bit more and give us a definition of what demand response is, um, and then we'll talk a little bit more about it after that. Sure. So the basics of demand response is the utility's ability to ask a, a home or a building to shed some load, right? To, to shut down some things that will ultimately decrease demand and uh, um, allow the, the grid to operate um, normally. So how can demand response then reduce the need for, for rolling blackouts? Kind of break that down for us then. Sure, so if, if, we're, if we're, well, I'll, I'll give you a statistic. This is kind mm -hmm. of an interesting fact. Yesterday, we set a record in Texas for the highest demand requirement recorded since 2000, or the, the last one I think was 2018 uh, of June. Um, we were uh, a few megawatts away from 70,000 megawatts of peak power usage. Now, that's 843 megawatts higher than the last record in 2018. And to give you a, a sense of what a, a megawatt really equates to, is on average, a megawatt equates to 200 homes. So let's go back on those numbers for a second. We were 843 megawatts higher than the last recorded record in June of 2018. ERCOT did start asking, hey guys, can you, can, can you help us out? Um, you know, can you, can you, you know, set your, I mean, they literally give you guidelines. Set your HVAC to 78 during the day. They want you to have your HVAC set points set to 82 at night. They want you to shut down all of your pool pumps. Those of you who have a pool know that you shut down the pump and you're gonna start have, especially for an extended period of time, you're gonna have challenges with water, right? Mm -hmm. And then, well, of course, shutting down or changing your set points of your air conditioner, yeah, you're living uncomfortably and, and that, that kind of doesn't really resonate well, right, with most people, you know, especially when it comes to the amount of money we pay for energy. Uh, we, we certainly feel like it's the responsibility of the utility to make sure that we have power. Why is the utility asking us to decrease our lifestyle? So to change the, the, the conversation for a minute, how do you 
support the utilities efforts in trying to keep up with the increase in demand and at the same time maintain the lifestyle that you pay for therein lies the the rub or the challenge that's a great point you, you kind of outlined some of the some of the downsides to demand response right and how it's currently implemented uh, because i i think for a lot of people, like you mentioned, it's it's that you're being asked to live uncomfortably. If you have a pool, you know you have challenges, water challenges there. If you shut off all your pumps, um, all of these different uh, things that that people are feel like they're being asked to do means kind of limiting your uh, your quality of life. Let's say based on something that that for most people they would say this is kind of outside of my control, right? Uh, what impact uh, you know do I have, and and how could I ever improve the grid, and and what fault of this is mine? at this point, right? I think that's the right. that's the response of a lot of people, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the, the interesting thing about demand response, like I, I talked about a moment ago in its basic form, is it's been around since, I mean, I've, I've talked to utility companies that have had demand response programs since back in the 80s, right? So, but that that's a very rudimentary um, demand response, which basically means that when the utility sees that their supplier, their generation is not capable of what they expect the demand to be, they start shutting people's things down. There's nothing that the consumer can do about it. They've signed on for this program. They might save a little bit of money on their monthly bill because of it, but at the end of the day, their air conditioner gets shut down, their pool pump gets shut down, their hot water heaters get shut down. Things that are large load uh, pumps and, and, and the like, are shut down for a period of time. Again, you know, adding to that decrease in lifestyle, right? So how do you achieve what the utility needs and what the utility's sort of been doing in a, what I'd like to call a mechanical way, but how do you, how do you give the utility what they want and not affect a consumer's lifestyle? And you do that through intelligence, you do that through intelligent systems and uh, energy management systems and, well, quite frankly, uh, what Adapt Energy is capable of. Right. So uh, I suppose then break down how Adapt Energy would help uh, with this particular uh, situation and what we're seeing. Just kind of help us understand a little bit more about how Adapt Energy would allow that to happen. Right. So the first time, or for the first time, I should say, the, the, the consumer gets to play a role in determining what it is they, they can live without for how long in order to help the utility with their demand response. So for instance, maybe the utility, instead of the utility saying, and this is the way this typically works, it's called a power line carrier command. That means that it's a, a, a data, little piece of data that travels over the high voltage wire that comes into the home, into the meter, and maybe to a, a, a little box. Once that little box sees that little command, then it shuts down things. That's the old school method. And then there's a lot of different generalizations you can make about that, but that's the basics of it, right? Well, that's a very mechanical thing. And it's just like, once it happens, everything shuts down. Well, if we put the consumer in a position where the consumer can decide and we can have intelligence involved, rather than the utility sending a basic power line demand response command, what if they sent a command to a home that says, I would like you to shed 1,000 watts or one kilowatt. Now it's the home's decision through decisions that the consumer has either already made or might make on the fly 
to determine what they're going to be able to do to achieve the load shedding of a thousand watts or one kilowatt. So now for the first time you have the consumer playing the same game as the utility, right? They're on the same playing field, they're playing the same game and they're driving it at the same thing. And, and what I mean by that is as a consumer, you don't want to be without power, right? I mean, it, you know, the reality is if, if we don't shed load or listen to the utility when they say, gee, uh, we need you guys to help us out, you know, blah, blah, blah. If we don't do that, we could end up with no power for a period of time, i.e. the rolling blackout. So being able to uh, sort of marry the utility to the consumer in a way that we're both driving at the same goal, which is to keep the lights on and doing it in an intelligent uh, way, that, that's, that's the holy grail. And that's really interesting. And, and I, I suppose what stands out about that to me is it invites the consumer in to be part of this process in a way that's not then also, I, I think, maybe asking them to, to sacrifice too much, right? And, and to a certain extent, as, as a consumer here in the state of Texas, part of me is sitting here today thinking, all right, so the cold comes through, we weren't prepared for that, but that rarely happens in Texas, right? You know, who could have seen that kind of storm coming? Okay, like it was a really bad situation, but maybe we get a pass for that. Summer rolls around and it's this way every year. I mean, you and I live in, in Texas and we experience this every summer. So as a consumer, I'm sitting here and maybe this is a little bit of frustration, but I'm sitting here saying, like, what? how is this a surprise that it's hot in the state of Texas this time around? And, and maybe that's a little bit of ignorance on my part. But I, I think what you're describing is a way of bringing the consumer into that process in a way that is constructive rather than me just sitting here being frustrated, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, it is ever-changing. And there are uh, things that occur. So we talked about the, the increase in demand. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll give you some statistics there. Uh, Four million people have come into the state of Texas in the past year and a half, basically the past uh, year and a half. That is a ridiculous amount of people to come and, you know, plant their, their seed here and, and, and buy a home. In fact, uh, it's not really energy related, but it's an interesting statistic. Uh, there was a home recently sold in, uh, in my area uh, for $300,000 more than the asking price. There was a huge bidding war. It was like an $800,000 home and it sold for $1.1 million, 300,000 more. Why is that? Well, supply and demand problem on the, uh, the home market side of things. You know, We can't make the homes fast enough and there aren't enough homes for that 4 million people of influx to, to, to buy. So people are willing to spend ridiculous amounts of money. So sorry to sidetrack us, but it just goes to show there's a lot of people coming in. So that coupled with and I'll give you the, another statistic that is uh, about yesterday in this, this record setting uh, situation. Right when that happened, we actually had 1200 megawatts of power down for maintenance. They had a problem, something happened, and they had to shut that generation facility down, which is sort of normal. So to a degree, right? Because there's, there's gonna be problems, things are gonna break, you have to be prepared for those things and, and be prepared to handle those things. So I, I kind of agree with you on, on, in one sense that, and that's the way most consumers think, like how can we be caught with our pants down as the state of Texas in June, we know it's gonna be hot. What are we doing wrong here? Why are we, I mean, we haven't even gotten to the hot, hot potential days. I remember a few years back, 
we had almost, I think it was almost 70 days of 100 degrees or more. Now, that happens, we might be in a little bit of trouble with the new demand requirement that's being, if we're already breaking records and it's the middle of June, I hate to see what the beginning of August is gonna be like. So wouldn't it be in ERCOT's best interest then, or you know, energy company's best interest then to, uh, for more people to have adapt energy in their homes? Wouldn't, don't you think that that's something that maybe they should be pushing as well? Am I crazy here? You are not crazy. That is what we want, obviously. Um, but it, it's uh, there, there's a lot that goes into that too, right? And the design aspects of it, the software aspects of it. But we're starting that process, and that's what's so great about developing the the hardware and software solution that we have. Um, initially, being developed for the consumer alone, right? So that the consumer could manage their home, their energy use how their home might react uh, under a grid loss with a battery and solar power and, and have basically having Adapt Energy manage all of it. But now we're having those discussions with the utility companies and they are recognizing that, hey, wait a minute, that's a, I mean, that, that's fantastic. You can do that? Yeah, absolutely we can. Um, so we can send you more than just, hey, shut some things down. We can actually tell you how much and you'll do it. Yes, we can. And so now all of a sudden the, the conversations are changing uh, centered around um, what a utility can do on a global scale or, or sort of a, uh, a larger scale, I guess, with respect to demand response. Well, it's an interesting time, Troy. And I suppose if, if we look ahead really quickly, um, what are the next steps that need to be taken then uh, for all of this to, to maybe... Uh, become a reality and, and to for the grid in Texas to maybe get some relief finally. Uh, what, what are the next steps that need to happen and what do you see happening here in the next uh, several years or so? Well, I definitely see uh, some of the regulatory things that we're used to. I, I guess you can call it maybe old school thinking uh, starting to change and evolve. I, I don't see that, you know, the need for creating new generation sites, right, like solar and wind and things is going to change. And so I, I see that speeding up. And I think what that's going to do is it's, it's going to provide um, uh, options, right? Um, there's nothing wrong with having extra within reason. And, and I think that's we're going to see that happening more and more. The question is, can we keep up with, uh, with the demand? Um, so re definitely regulatory things changing, uh, both at the state level and the federal level. I'll give you one example. Um, you might be familiar with uh, the federal ITC credit for solar. When it first came out, uh, the federal government was giving you a 30% tax uh, credit, which is fantastic. And then it dropped down to 26% for solar. And then right there, they started to look at it and go, you know what? It might make sense to involve batter home batteries and, and home energy management systems and things like that. Anything that can really uh, put a dent in or move the needle a little bit with regard to energy is a positive thing. And so for a short period of time, uh, I want to say 2019 to 20, through 2020, um, people were using some private letter rulings that, um, uh, that, that were out there to help get their home battery covered and their home management system covered. But now federal government's actually stepped up and said, tell you what, you don't even have to put solar in. If you put a home battery in and a home management system in, uh, or home energy management system, we'll, we'll give you 26% tax credit on that. 
And so I, I see I see people starting to take more advantage of those things. And also the conversation is is being had a lot more often. And I think that's really, really important. I think the more we're uh, creating awareness, uh, the more we're educating people. I mean, Tyler, that's why we're doing what we're doing right now, right? It's about getting people to sort of understand what, what's out there and what's available and, and the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so that education process, I think, is, is going to help a lot to get us where we need to go over the next five years. Absolutely excellent stuff. Education is uh, is incredibly vital. So Troy Morgan, CEO at Pantech Design. Troy, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Adapt Energy, talking a little bit more about rolling blackouts, what's going on, and what the future could hold. Thank you again. Thanks, Scott. Tyler, appreciate it. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for tuning into this episode of Adapt Energy from Pantech Design. We appreciate it very much. Of course, stay tuned for upcoming episodes of the show. But for this one, for my guest today, Troy Morgan, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks for joining us.